Hello world, welcome back to Golf Subpar. Colt Nose, Drew Stoltz, what a week for the game of golf. We had the BMW Championship, we had the US Amateur, we had the start of the Corn Ferry Tour Finals where the Lair, Scott Harrington, finished tied for fourth and is on his way back to the PGA Tour. So a big Lair coming at him, just out of nowhere, out of left field, at a place that he was, I was talking before, he's like, yeah, I don't really like the course, dude. Not a lot of drivers, a lot of dog legs. I mean, goes out there and has the best week of the year. Kid's back on the show. Shout out to Big Lair on that. No bigger Lair in the world than Larrington. Love I mean, the if kid. You're, if you're just listening to the audio right now, you'd have definitely thought Scott Harrington was in the building after that impersonation. I know. It's it's pretty good, isn't it? I got a lot of years working on that thing. But congrats to him. Um, Will Gordon ended up winning in a playoff on the Corn Ferry Tour over at the BMW. Patrick Canley becomes the first player in the 16-year history of the FedEx Cup playoffs to win an event in back-to-back -back years. Uh, yeah, and he's going for back-to-back -back FedEx Cup uh, titles as well. Put himself in a good position. Little assist on the 17th hole with the bounce. Wow. That was, I was like, which bounce? Never <laughs> in my life. Colt, you know, I always got the bad wave. Never got the good draw ever. Never did I get a bounce like that in the world. I was like, I would rewatched it six times. I'm still really not sure what it hit. Down slope do of the bunker, bounced over the bunker with like a rake. The next sprinkler kicked dead left out into the fairway, 65 yards. Makes birdie, no big deal. That's how you play that hole. It's a lot easier if you get it 65 in. You know, Any I don't know why more people don't do that. Yards. I I seriously rewind. I was like, what? I thought it was a rake. I thought it was a sprinkler head. I, I'm still just not really convinced what it did. But then he almost damn near hold the wedge. Yeah, but ends up with a one shot victory over Scott Stallings. Huge congrats to Scott Stallings making his first appearance in the tour championship. Really cool to see him up there in contention. Played beautifully. Look, I mean, the moment didn't even phase him. He just looked as comfortable as could be. He's had a fast, good year. Ripening it. Good year, like a quiet good year. A yeah. lot of high finishes. He's a guy that's like, you know, he's won three times on the PJ Tour, but then you won't see him for a while. This year, it's just been like way more steady for Scott Stallings. And also a huge shout out to Sahith the Gala on just a monster clutch up uh, so on, that, cool. on that final nine. What a nice dude. We need to get him on here soon. He's awesome. Love the way he plays golf. Moves it all over the place. Not a cookie cutter golf swing. Short game around the green is awesome. Awesome to watch. And to get there as a rook, uh, Huge props to Sahith. Birdie four of his last deal. seven. They had the cameras on his dad the whole back night. His dad was freaking out. It was awesome. It was so much fun to watch. Hooping it from everywhere. Really cool. Also, Adam Scott, the up and down on the last out of the bunker. 30-yard bunker shot, hit it to a foot. So impressive, incredible. Minimum half-million-dollar up and down. That's what last place gets at the FedEx Cup. Minimum. All his sponsors, all his endorsements, all the kickers that come in if you make it to Eastlake. Quick, give me... That shot, I had a lot of things going through my mind. What's going through your mind on that shot? Knowing they're like, this has to get up and down. This is getting skull fucked in the, in the gallery. <laughs> that, so that's what goes through my mind. But then, of course, at the top, I'm like, not skull fucking. And then I lay sod and mm -hmm. just chunk it to 35 feet. Disappointing. But he gets it up and down. He's in. He makes bogey. Shane Lowry gets in. Shane Lowry's sitting there in the clubhouse thinking, God damn it, you gorgeous bastard. Just hit a terrible bunker shot once. What more do you need? Yeah. You have everything. You got your plane. You got the good looks. Fuck, you're perfect. Your just knife one good. for the kid. Let me get to East Lake. That was a ballsy. And he hit it to kick in. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to worry. He didn't have to make an 8-footer, 10-footer. To hit that stony, that's fucking, that was balls. It was. Large then, marbles. Not only, I mean, there was a lot of things that happened there. And one thing that didn't get talked about much was, Xander Schauffele, who hit it in there to eight feet on the 72nd hole, had a putt to finish solo third to move Scotty Scheffler to fourth. If he makes, Patrick Cantlay has got the two-shot lead heading into East Lake as the number one seed, but he ends up missing, and Scotty Scheffler is now the number one seed with a two-shot lead. I mean, that was a, that's a huge moment. Monstrous. What do you think the little Venmo after the round comes in? Hey, bud, I don't know if you saw a little eight-footer. Yeah, That's a big but deal How about Patrick Cantlay? His best friend on tour would be like, 
So you I just won two million, but fuck you. You just cost me a two shot. Yeah, lead you might have cost me eighteen. You son of a. Yeah, that was. Uh, there's it's always like the stories within the stories. Who's gonna get in? Who's gonna get out? Who? What the starting positions are? There's so many different things. And then we get into East Lake, and it's like every putt, like projected here. Oh, miss. Oh, mm-hmm. now you're down here. It's just. I mean, I don't know who set this algorithm or how they do it or whatever, but it's a, it's a lot to keep up with going in this week. How about the AM though? You were up at the AM. That thing was. That thing was spectacular. Shout out Ridgewood Country Club. That place, I'd heard some people talk about it. I don't even remember it from the playoffs a number of years ago. It is awesome. That golf course could hold a U.S. Open. I hope they get on the rotation. I thought it was a perfect combo. Long, hard holes, a couple short holes, give you some, you know, opportunities. Short par threes, don't see a whole lot of those anymore. Drivable par four, it was, I thought it was sweet. I had no idea what to expect going in there. I was hurt in 2018 when they had the playoffs, so I'd never seen it. I got there, and I fell in love with the place. It has 27 holes. They did a composite. They took some holes from each nine holes, and they made a beautiful thing out of it. The rough was up. The fairways were narrow, really tough. The greens were as smooth as I've ever seen at a golf course for an entire week. Just gorgeous, fast greens. And we had a hell of a final. Sam Bennett, Ben Carr. Ben Carr down five with, what do you have, 14 holes to play. Looked like this thing was going to be over. Made a huge comeback. Ends up losing one down and went all the way to the 36th hole. But, man. Those kids, you know, they're not playing for money. They're playing for passion. They're playing for history, legacy, trying to get their name on one of the greatest trophies in the game of golf with some of the legends, including myself. No big deal. Mm. But Mm. it was Was so... That's just a brag. That's not even a humble brag. It was so much fun to be there. Saturday was one of my favorite days in broadcasting I've ever had. The semifinals, I had Dylan Minetti, Sam Bennett, battling out two of the top amateurs in the world, number three versus number eight with a spot in the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Finals on the line. Went all the way to 18. It was something special. I was nervous for the guys. It was so exciting. The crowd was into it. And then especially that final. Ben Carr, Georgia Southern, had a ton of friends and family fly up. Both these guys have been through some tragedy. Sam Bennett's dad passed away from Alzheimer's. Ben Carr's dad passed away unexpectedly at a young age. Both of them were playing with heavy hearts out there. It was so cool to watch those guys battle it out. For Ben Carr to come back and do what he did, like I said, had so many friends and family. When he would make a putt, that place went nuts. The Georgia folks, they get amongst it. You could tell who the crowd was leaning for in that thing. And and not only like that match, but the semifinal match. I can't remember like a contrast, especially the semis with Minotti, like the difference between a fast player and a slow player. You could just tell, like, I've been that fast player. You know what it's like. It's always harder on the fast players. Like, this has got to be driving him crazy. Sam Ben, he gets in there like relatively quick, but then just freezes over the rock like sergio up at beth page mm-hmm. type of stuff but damn those kids are good man i thought that ben Carr, his action is kind of like the modern day tours he grips it stronger than a lot of the guys but he's got that shut face cut and i just feel like watching him swing and i was like this is a, that thing when it gets going that's going to just be autopilot I, he was hitting it out of the middle i saw him hit 185 on one drive and his, his putter looked good i was like oof that was um impressive impressive golf who's our who's our boy that's the pro up there from the twin fin David Reisner. Fantastic. <laughs> He's a special human. one. He's a special one. He shows up at that twin fin. Always speaking of like Adam Scott, you beautiful bastard. This dude looks like he's straight out of head and shoulders commercial. And he's got uh, a nice flow. He goes, by the way, at the twin fin. Shout out to you, Davey, for putting on a good show up there. Uh, did you see the flow of the kid that made it to Yes, Throwback City? Is it Shea Lagoo? Yeah, I had a cool name. Lagoo. Yeah. Lagoo from San Diego State had an incredible head of he hair. Like a 1970s cop. It was sick. And super skinny. I was pulling for him, too. But, man, I had a blast up there. That was really cool. All the all the spectators walking right down the middle of the fairway with the players, circling the greens. 
it was it was a lot of fun. And I'm guessing, from what I know about my man Sam Bennett, he ain't scared of a cocktail or two, and I'm sure he celebrated putting some doers in the Havamiter last Probably night. on that PJ that somebody got no him on kid. the way home. Little College kids home? just flying home. Like, dude, your life, it ain't getting better than this. We'll put you some doers in that Havamiter. It'll taste delicious. Doers blended scotch whiskey and the great game of golf are a match made in Scotland. Because honestly, few things are better after a round of golf than a round of doers. Especially Dewar's 15-year-old, created to be a lighter, sweeter, blended scotch whiskey. It's double-aged and as smooth as peering an iron over the bunker for a tap-in birdie. Mm -hmm. With notes of honey and toffee that play off subtle floral notes, this is a must-try blended scotch. We love it so much that we recommend giving a bottle to someone special for a milestone birthday, promotion, even a close friend's wedding, or a Tuesday, whatever you want to do. You can make your gift even more meaningful by making a personalized bottle or a custom label at Dewar's.com. So here's to great blended scotch whiskey and to golf. A perfect combination. Enjoy responsibly. It's now time for the Doers Cheers moment of the week. And I just want to give a huge shout out to the USGA. You mentioned Ridgewood Country Club, how awesome it was. The US Amateur, that's what golf is all about. And last week, I got the opportunity to go over to the USGA Museum, which I'd never been. Mm. And it was something special. That is where everything is based. They have over 8,000 artifacts from past champions in there. I was able to go on a tour with the head of the museum, walked me in. Sleaze, when you turn right to go towards the Wall of Champions, there's six, like, life-size pictures on the wall. There's Tiger. There's Annika. There's many, there's a couple others. And me? then there's No, you're, you didn't make it. It's no, Wall okay. of Champions. Oh, okay. And then there is our picture from the Walker Cup of Billy Horschel, Jamie Lovemark, lifting Jonathan Moore up after he made the winning putt, and then me – I was a little late to the party. You weren't airborne yet. There. Yeah. But that picture is in the USGA Museum, one of six, and it is really cool. And I worked my way to the Wall of Champions. And they always say they love taking people in there that have never been because just to see their reaction. And I walked in, and I was speechless for the first time in my life. They have every single USGA Championship trophy there on display. And then it's a full circle, and they have every single year. And my year was 2007. It lists all the champions on there. And to see that for the first time was – was really cool. I got to have a little fun with you. Yes. Uh, I, I went I hate over, you. found the four ball trophy. It's a beautiful trophy, by the way. It's gorgeous. Did you, did you, did they have my medal? Did you go to the lost and found? I did not make it to the lost and found. They're probably there. But I got I'll to send them. you a little video saying, hey, look, I stumbled upon your long lost friend here, the four ball trophy, where you were so close. Your name was so close to being in that museum. That museum's nothing without me and Kitty's name. There's this whole separate archive, a whole separate wing down there for the runners up. It's actually even more special from what I'm told. So anyways, and also I was thinking about it. I was like, dude, I couldn't win that thing because what are they going to want? They're going to want the museum to put in the museum. And I was like, I still need the museum. So maybe next year, but we're, we're going to get in that thing. And that did hurt. And that was uh, cool. That's my doers. Uh, not shit moment of the week is, is not being in the wall of champions. Although next year at Q Island, uh, we're coming and we're coming in angry it was cool i looked at all the trophies and you know i'm if you, you got when you win a trophy you want to be able to drink out of it it's the coolest thing guess which trophy you can drink the most booze out of most doers out of women's open the u.s junior oh good <laughs> it's a massive bowl it's fill incredible. that up with a little yoohoo yeah yeah get the bones strong but thanks to the usga for an incredible week and that was the do doers cheers moment of the week time to get to our guest this week ah oh, trevor our guy, the international president's Do it again. team, Captain Do Trevor. Do some more. How's it? Do some more. How's it? Hey, Kaze. Trevor Immelman joins us on this week's Golf Subpar. This man, obviously a Masters champion, but the shit he's having to deal with right now, with everything leading up to the President's Cup, doesn't know who's going to be on his team, not because they're battling for spots. They just don't know if they're going to be 
eligible to play. They just announced their eight auto qualifiers and put it all over social media and stuff. And people are like, he's not there. He's not there. He's not there. I was like, yeah, this, I gotta think, I think, I think my man's got a, a few contingency plans in there, but shit. He's had to deal with a lot of stuff going into this Davis love too, but not to the same extent. It seems to be hitting the internationals and the rumors of people yet to go after the FedEx cup, which we should know shortly. Um, seems to be more international guys, but this is a fun one. Get ready to be abused rigs. Here's Trevor Rimmelman on golf subpar. All right, we got a man of many titles with us here today. He's a Masters champ. He is El Capitan of the International President's Cup team. And he's now CBS lead analyst in the booth with Jimmy Nance. The man has got a full plate. But he's here with us today. Trevor Immelman, good to have you, boss. Hey, boys. It's great to to finally join you. I'm a fan of the show. I've listened a bunch. And you guys are crushing it. So it's great for me to join you. Well, appreciate it, Trevor. Appreciate and you. first off, you need to slow down on all these titles you got. You're, you're challenging me for most jobs right now, and I don't like that. <laughs> no. Let me have nobody, one title. Nobody can beat you. You're a, you're a radio mogul. You're on, you know, satellite radio. You've got podcasts. You've got fitness model. What do you element. mean by mogul? Easy on the mogul word. <laughs> Titan. I mean, <laughs> this guy, this guy has just got it all going on right now. Uh, well, and before, I, you know what I've forgotten? You know what I've forgotten? You guys are now merch merch titans as well selling yes, merch good to point. everybody slinging merch we like to say yes we'll get you we'll make sure you're properly attired after the show now well, do you guys gonna... have any you guys have any birdie juice for this while you while we tape in this or what actually today i don't after my week last week at gaza ranch the member guest i am currently <laughs> hydrating <laughs> It was it was a lot of birdie juice flowing last week, so now we're just going with some water. Yeah, we're recording this one a little earlier in the day than some we do. It's it's, it's hard to ramp up, you know, than when there's an AM before it, even though it's we're right around there. But um, it's one thirty PM. Yeah, but that's basically AM. Close close I'm on Hawaii time, dude. I operate on Hawaii time. Uh, you wonder how anything gets done around here. Incredible. Well, before we dive into the CBS and the President's Cup and everything, I think a lot of people would be curious to know, like, I mean, you're just forty two years old, right? Like, why, yeah. why did you decide to hang it up at such a young age, considering, I mean, you've had a hell of a career? Because I couldn't play well enough anymore. Quite simple. That's a really. great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Makes that's, sense. That's the, that's the short version. Uh, and uh, it can be a, a bitter pill to swallow at times. But, uh, yeah, you know, a couple of years after I won the Masters, I really started struggling with some injuries. And whether I liked it or not, my swing just seemed to change and I lost the shot that I felt like I could always rely on no matter what the situation and so scoring and strategizing became more and more difficult and uh, you know as you get a little older the players start getting better and um, pretty soon enough you, you you can't quite cut it so I was still playing a little bit on the European tour uh, now the DP world tour and that was kind of coming to an end. So now we're talking 2019 or so. And I'd been doing a little bit of work on the Golf Channel and uh, decided to jump into that. So I was quite fortunate that I had something to do right after finishing playing. Did you get into the TV stuff and the stuff with Golf Channel because you knew always, like, when I get done playing, this is what I want to do? Or was it just a way, like, I'm kind of got one foot in, one foot out right now. This is a way to stay in the game without necessarily playing week in, week out? It was kind of random how it started. Uh, back in 2017, I just got a call out of the blue from someone. His name is Mark Summer. And he introduced himself as a producer of 
the uh, Golf Central show on on Golf Channel. And, you know, back then they were headquartered just about 20 minutes from me down the road here in Orlando. And he asked me if I'd ever been interested in doing TV. I told him I'd never really thought about it. And so he said, well, why don't you come in and hang out, meet everybody. We'll do a little audition and you can see what you think. So I went in and did that. And, um, you know, they, they thought I did all right. And they said, well, why don't you try a show in a couple of weeks? And, uh, and that was kind of how it all started. So for a couple of years, I was playing and doing the TV, which was difficult. It was hard to meld all of that together. But uh, like I said, that's where I had sort of a soft landing spot. Once I knew that the golf was, was definitely going to be over the competitive side, I'd already for a couple of years been fortunate enough to be building a little something with the TV to where uh, I could keep that going. So quite fortunate, really. Yeah, no doubt. When you, when you first got involved with TV, did you find it easier or harder than you thought it would be? Oh, it's definitely harder. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the thing that was always so interesting to me is, you know, when you're a fan and you're watching at home, at times you feel like the broadcast and everything is moving so slowly. But when you're actually the one out there working on the broadcast, it feels like it's moving a million miles an hour. And... Uh, so that's the tricky part, really. And uh, the other skill that you've got to learn is to be able to talk and think whilst listening to somebody else on the broadcast and also listening to the producer, possibly at the same time. So there's a number of different things going on, and it takes a little time to get all of that stuff squared away. But uh, I think, you know, one of the reasons like somebody like you has done so well so quickly, Cult, is... Uh, you you got to be authentic on TV. People, you, you can't put on an act. You just got to be yourself. And I think when you do that, uh, people at home appreciate that and then they start to relate to you, which um, which I think is cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And you, you mentioned the you know all the different voices and everything. Max Homa in Detroit sat with us a few weeks ago at the Rocket Mortgage on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we finished, he's like, how the hell do y'all do that? He goes, I got some guy I don't even know yelling in my ear. Then y'all are talking. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. It's, they, it's they, tricky. At, it ain't Twitter. At times it gets a little, a little stressful. And, you know, sometimes you also can't quite find the right words to say exactly what you want to say. And so the tricky part then is to, you know, not to fall back on some kind of old cliche that's been used a million times. And, um, so there's definitely something a little different when that light goes on, you know, there's definitely an opportunity to choke there. It's very much is, is kind of like playing golf really. And quite honestly, I get, I get the same feel when I'm doing TV as what I did when I was playing, you know, there's a little bit of adrenaline rush. There's a little nervousness. Um, You know, you're doing all the preparation, trying to make sure you've got all your stuff together. And then, you hope that when the time presents itself, the right words will come to you. So it's um, it's kind of similar to playing competitively. Yeah, and a lot of the guys you played with when you were out there are still out there. Now you find yourself as the captain of the international team on the President's Cup. You're going to have a close relationship with those guys. As you head into the booth with Jim, is there any hesitancy or is it going to be difficult, you think, to, to be critical of guys at times, even when they deserve it, being that you know these guys and they're friends? That, that, can, be a, that can be like a tough you know, line to toe. 
Uh, I, I'm not too worried about that, and I haven't been over the last few years. You know, I'm a pretty honest person. I, I find that, you know, if you lie and when you lie, you've got to have too good of a memory. So I just forget about it and tell the truth all the time. That way I don't have to worry. So, you know, that's my strategy, is if there's something there that I see that I don't like or I don't agree with, doesn't necessarily mean I'm right, but, you know, that's fine for me to go ahead and say that. I'm never going to be personal in any way, maybe just with Colt, but with none of the players. Please um, do. It's perfectly fine. So, Please you know, do. You know, I, I, won't, uh, I won't get personal in any way, but if, they, if, they, if I see them doing something wrong with their swing or strategy, then you really have to go ahead and, and call them out. It bleeds back into the previous answer where you know, you've got to be authentic and you've got to be real. Otherwise, people are at home sitting on their couches shouting at the TV you know, saying like, why don't you see that? Why aren't you saying that? So mm -hmm. you got to go ahead. And if guys get upset about it, then um, it's just the way Hold it is. Up. It's fine. Piss by, on them. By the way, <laughs> shoot your little Nerf dart guns down at me. I'm fine with it. I'm going to send you a bullet back. Don't <laughs> just get ready for it. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. But I want to I want to go back to just a second, because when you found out Nick Faldo was retiring, obviously you've been you've been in the business for a few years now. Like what chance did you think you had of getting in that chair once he decided he was stepping down you know i i didn't really know too much uh colt i know that he had been uh he had had another year left on his contract or he was considering uh doing a little bit more and he was umming and ahhing a little bit about it uh but you know i hadn't really paid too much attention to that because i've been doing so much work along with doing all the president's cup stuff uh that it wasn't really on my radar and actually had dinner with uh, with Frank and with Ian Baker Finch, Frank Noblo Ian Baker Finch at the Colonial. And uh, Frank and Ian had mentioned that they had heard that Nick was going to retire and that they were trying to figure out where they were going to go from there. And even after that, I got to be honest, I wasn't thinking too much about it. And then randomly, uh, the Sunday morning of the Canadian Open, I was working for Golf Channel and Bob Papa and I were sitting behind the desk and we were, you know, 15 or 20 minutes away from starting the final round show, the early stuff. And, uh, you know, I had my phone on silent already and I saw it light up. So I looked down at it and I saw Sean McManus's name pop up and I was like, okay, well, I got to take this. And, you know, a couple of minutes later, he said to me, well, Nick's retiring and we've decided we want you to be the lead analyst. <laughs> I actually said to him, you're kidding, right? <laughs> That's so, awesome. You know, I can't really say that it was on my radar. Um, How the hell did you do the show Yeah, I was about that? to say, did you be floating <laughs> through that show probably? Yeah. Well, the guys that were in the booth, um, and we've got a guy that sets up the booth. He's an absolute legend. His name is Kevin McHale. And uh, I spoke to him again this week. He said, when I walked back in after that phone call, it was like I'd seen a ghost. I was just <laughs> had all the blood drop out of my face and my mind was spinning a million miles an hour trying to process uh, the phone call that I'd just had. But uh, yeah, incredibly humbled by that. It's, it, uh, it's a spot that has only been held by five, four or four people before me. And you're talking about absolute legends of the game when you're talking about Sir Nick and Ken Venturi and Lanny Watkins. So, um, man, it's uh, I, maybe it hasn't even sunk in yet, to be honest. Maybe in the weeks leading up to 
to the farmers next year when we're all getting ready to go, maybe it'll sink in. But um, it feels good when I think about it. I will say that. And how cool. I mean, you've worked alongside him quite a bit. But, like, for me, my first time when when Jim Nance sent it down to me in the fairway, I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. But you're going to be sitting there right next to him now. Like, you're going to be the guy sitting next to arguably the greatest that's ever done it in Jim Nance. Yeah. Yeah, it gives me goosebumps when you say that. Yeah. He is a legend. You're right about that. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to work with him for a few years on and off with the pieces, bits and pieces I've done with CBS and called a couple masters uh, with him, which has been an incredible experience. And, uh, yeah, so now really him and I are just in the process of, trying to speak to each other more and more, spend more time with each other. I'm going to go out and, and uh, join him at a couple NFL games this fall and just spend some time with him so that we can get to know each other more and try and create that chemistry to where when people see us, they are having a good time and they're looking forward to watching PGA Tour golf on TV. I mean, that's what it's all about for us is, is priority number one is making it entertaining for the people at home and if all of us have great chemistry and camaraderie and and uh you know like you and i go back and forth and have a little fun and a laugh every now and then i think that's great you know that's that's what it's all about is for the viewer to have a great time and perk up and listen for a few more minutes and just grab them for as long as you can yeah no naps during the broadcast people out there watching this, <laughs> golf ain't there to nap during we want to entertain you that's right. That's right. Stay I'm glad you brought up. that up. I'm glad you brought that up about going out and seeing Jim and just spending time with him and kind of getting that chemistry going. Because I know before Romo joined Jim uh, in the booth uh, for the NFL, they did some practice games. They weren't on the air. They weren't broadcast. Like, here's the game. Y'all call it. Start to develop some of that rap, you know, up in the booth. Do you guys have anything planned like that in terms of like, let's do a mock tournament and sit up here and call it? Or is it just, hey, let's spend time together, get to know each other so that when we do come on air, it feels natural? Yeah, that's a great question. At this point, uh, we don't really have anything planned like that, purely because obviously he's been doing TV since, I wanted to say 86 was when he first started. That was his first Masters, I know that for sure. 85 he started with CBS, yeah. Okay, so 85, 86 was his first Masters. I've been doing live golf on TV for five years or so now. And so we both understand the ins and outs of it. I think it'll be more about spending time together, understanding how each person talks, what the ideas are, the timing of your way you speak so that people aren't stepping on each other. And that's a little different to where with Tony, he had never done TV before. And so he really had to come in and, and learn the TV skills, so to speak, so that he could understand when his moments were to be able to break down or analyze or jump in with something with Jim. And uh, so... You know, we don't have to worry about that because we both understand the ins and outs of it. It's a bit more of of um, the chemistry aspect that I think is important. Well, I think you're going to do just fine, and we're going to have an absolutely fantastic season next year. I cannot wait for it to get started, even though it just finished. But I want to talk a little bit about the President's Cup because this is a huge honor. I mean, you're, you're captain of the International President's Cup team. I Like, when you started the game at age five, then eventually turned professional, could you go back to there? Could you ever imagine – that at one day you were going to be the captain of the International Presidents Cup team. No, nah, no way. And even when I started watching, uh, well, I'm 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 older than you, Colt. So when I was five, the Presidents Cup wasn't 
It wasn't a thing. Well, I yet. meant when you start, <laughs> when you turn pro. When you turn pro, the President's Cup was around. Yeah, it was. Started in the early '90s when I was coming into my teenage years, and for us, it was so awesome because you know you'd watch the Ryder Cup and seen the passion and the energy um, behind that event with those players, how much they get up for it. And as players not born in Europe or not born in America, we never had an opportunity to do that. So uh, for us, we're thankful that the PGA Tour came up with this idea in the early 90s, and it's given us the opportunity to play against the Americans. But when I played in 05 and 07 and then was an assistant captain after that, I got to be honest with you. It's much the same as the CBS gig. I was just happy to be there when I was there. Even in 2019, when I was a, an assistant captain down in uh, in Melbourne, I was just happy to be there. I had I had no designs on trying to be captain or lobbying for that position. I just was having an awesome time with the guys at one of my favorite golf courses on the planet with one of my mentors. Uh, and best friends, Ernie Else is the captain. And so I was very much just in the moment and glad that he had brought me back in to the fold and the squad. And, uh, you know, organically after that Sunday night, when, when we came short, uh, which was really, really tough because we were, had to lead the whole, the whole week up until that Sunday, uh, you know, after a few beverages, we were all just sitting around and the guys were like, okay, well, what next? Where do we go from here? Who should be our next captain? And everybody kind of looked around the room and the players decided I should be the next captain. So that was how it came about. And like oh, I wow. said, it wasn't, uh, it, it was not on my radar at all. And uh, so that was really cool when, you're, when your peers decide that you're going to be the next guy to lead them. And uh, so it's, it's an incredible honor. It's been an amazing process for my wife and I. We've had the extra year because of the COVID um, delay. But we're getting there now, man. I actually think um, I saw a note today. We're 40 days out today. Yeah. So it's coming. It's, it's coming quick. It is. And I can't imagine, like, all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, like getting ready. I mean, forget about the, the live stuff that's happening right now. Just behind the scenes, like, what's one of the craziest things, like, you've had to do to get ready to be President's Cup captain that you probably never would have thought you had to do? Well, the last couple of weeks, we've been going full steam on designing our, our team cabin and then our team room back at the hotel. Uh, so I never thought I'd be, like, part of interior design and trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, how I'm going to motivate my players through images or what are we going to put on the walls? How do we want these team rooms to look? what kind of seating, you know, all that kind of stuff. There is a million different things that have taken place uh, when it comes to um, designing the outfits and how, how you're wanting the team to look and dress and how functional the uniform needs to be. All these little uh, things that have, that have kind of piled up and you just one by one try and take care of them. But with the extra year, really, the thing that I felt was most important was how can we try and, and, in a sense, start to build this franchise? We were so fortunate with Ernie in, in 2019 when he finally came out with, with team colors and a logo, you know, the shield right here. And so we finally had a flag and a logo and black and gold and white are our team colors. And so something to grab onto, you know, we're all these players from all different corners of the world. We were... 
we're like seven or eight different regions that are represented. And uh, so a large part of my time in the first uh, year and a half or so was trying to figure out how I could build this franchise, how we could get social media going, how could we could get merchandise out there for people that are fans and want to support our team and they want to come to the President's Cup. How can we get them a T-shirt or a hat or something like that? Uh, so a lot of focus is on that to just try and um, build on the legacy that Ernie left for us in 2019. So that has been the most work by far. Take us into this uh, team room and this team cabin, all the stuff you're putting in there. What's uh, what are these things going to look like? What do you get up on the wall? What kind of games? Do you, what do the internationals play? You know, in there, I know the Americans play ping pong. What's it look like in there? We got all sorts of different stuff going on. I'm not. I'm not going to give my secrets away just yet. We will mm. definitely be uh, be posting a lot about it. But you know, you you take a look at what you're working with, and you're working with the city of Charlotte. You're working with Quail Hollow. You're working with all these different players, and you start to find little threads there that can connect. And you start to think about ways that you can motivate these players that week to dig a little deeper, to give a little more, to play a little harder. And uh, I, th I think we've done a good job. I'm, I'm really excited uh, for them to see it. Um, you know, they, they've earned the right to, to make this team and come and compete against maybe the best American team ever assembled. And, uh, and so I want to give them, give them everything their heart desires. I, I want... I want their expectation of how the week will be from an experience standpoint to be exceeded and really, really treat these players like this is the greatest thing that they've ever achieved in their golf careers, making this team. So that's, that's, the, that's the lens that I've looked through, that my wife and I have looked through with every decision we've made in the last uh, two and a half years. That's awesome. And I know how much you care about this. And with, with that being said, like how much of a distraction – has this live stuff been with, I know at least a few of the guys that would have made the team and Carlos Ortiz and Abe Anser going like, how stressful has this been on you? Not knowing like who you you might have in Charlotte. Yeah. It's been a giant pain in my ass cult. There's <laughs> uh, no other way to put it. It's, it's been brutally difficult. Uh, in many ways, not just from the president's cup, but also, uh, because I'm a member of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, and uh, it's been tough to see my sport get divided over the last year and, um, and start to see these cracks get made and the division that it's created. Uh, so that's been very, very difficult to observe. Uh, but yeah, from the President's Cup standpoint, it's made it, it's made it uber tricky. Because, you know, for instance, we're talking about team rooms and locker rooms and stuff like that. How about if I had gone ahead and put images of different players up and then all of a sudden those guys aren't, aren't there or aren't able to be there? Uh, that make, gives a little bit of a different vibe in, in the locker room and the team room. So there's yes. been a you number of... You turn it into a dartboard. <laughs> That's what my daughter said to me. She said, she, uh, my 11-year-old daughter, uh, Maya... She said, well, we could always take a Sharpie and draw like a little beard and glasses. Across yeah, a little eyes. sash, <laughs> some horns. I was like, now you're thinking, now you're thinking. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been real tough, man. It's been real tough. And I wish I could tell you it was over. 
it's not yeah. over. I mean, I'm I'm working the phones like crazy, trying to learn as much as I can learn, speaking to players, caddies, agents, you name it, just trying to get yeah, a yeah. beat on where we're going to be. And you know, I poke a lot of fun at you about this, but you know, like seriously, I feel terrible about it. Like, I mean, I know how much this means to you. It's a huge honor and it just sucks that you have to go through this. Yeah, it's it's not great. And uh, it's not been great for Davis either, to be honest with you. Uh, him and I were just talking yesterday. He's He's got a couple of guys that he's uh, concerned about as well as me. And uh, it just puts us in a tough spot. And it puts the tournament in a tough spot. And in a lot of ways, I feel bad for the Harris family. I feel bad for Quail Hollow yeah. and Charlotte because they have gone all out. This event is going to be incredible. It's going to be spectacular. The build out, uh, the ticket sales are through the roof. Um, you know, the hospitality is sold out. It's going to be, it's going to be so amazing this event. And, um, so I just hope we get the right players to pitch up. Yeah. You got to have so many contingency plans because some of these guys you won't even know about till after the FedEx cup, which gives you virtually no time, you know, to adjust and to audible out of that. But I want to go to a, maybe a little bright spot on the President's Cup team. How nice of a surprise has Tom Kim's recent play been to the squad? I mean, I don't know how long this guy was on your radar, but he looks like he could be one of the best players in the field. Yeah, it sure does. He, uh, he's been a great find for us, really. And I've known about him for a few months now. Uh, one of my close friends uh, is Claude Harmon III. And he was um, with DJ somewhere earlier this year. And they had played with, with Tom Kim. And he immediately texted me and was like, dude, you need to see this kid. He's legit. He can play. He's got everything he needs. And uh, so from that moment, I started paying attention. And he was playing great over on the Asian tour. And then as he started getting a few starts uh, on the PGA tour and the majors, he was sustaining that form on the biggest stages. So I was really impressed with him. He played great um, at the Scottish Open, had a chance to win all the way uh, down that Sunday. And I was over at, at the Open, so I made it a point to go out and walk a few holes with him in the practice rounds. And uh, so hung out with him for a little while, walked some holes, watched him play. We were chatting back and forth. Speaks amazing English. This guy is just... He has an ability to be a superstar. He's lived in five different countries. He speaks three languages. He's, he's just got a great way about him, a nice feel, and he got a ton of game. So Yes, he does. For him, for him to get that win last week was, was pretty damn clutch, and he's moved his way all the way up in our rankings to where I really don't even need to pick him. He's going to be an automatic qualifier at this point. That's awesome. Not a bad putter, Tom. He can rolls roll the, rock. the rock. Great iron player, too. Not, yeah, not uh, bad with the irons, either. I know. I, don't I mean, the one thing... I don't want to give any of my potential teams away, but mm. I'd like to think that uh, that he and Sungjae would be a bit of a handful in alternate shot. <laughs> I mean, look out, flagstick. What, else, uh, what else is going through your mind, just, you know, off the top, obviously, <laughs> between us? Other team, uh, you know, pairings that you might think about going with? Yeah, absolutely. Not set in stone. No, no, nothing is set in stone. We've still got a little ways to go, and we've still got two more weeks of our uh, qualification period left. So there could be some movement because these next two weeks, the fields are so strong, so there's a lot of points available for these guys to earn and jump up. Uh, 
but yeah, absolutely. I, I, would, I wouldn't be a good captain if I hadn't been paying attention, been looking at different scenarios and trying to figure out uh, all the different things with regards to golf balls and golf course and these players' personalities and how they could mesh well together in the different formats. So, oh yeah, we're, well, we're a long way well, down the line there. Well, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if, if you happen to lose a few more guys to live, any thoughts on possibly pulling a Tiger Woods and being a player playing captain at Quail Hollow this year? Mm, yeah. Dust them off. <laughs> I mean, I played today. I shot 70, but it wasn't pretty cold. I must be honest. It wasn't pretty. Hey, 70-70. Um, and you got a partner. You know, that's true. That's true. I, 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 was, I would say this, that if I was playing, I would only play myself a better ball. That way I know that I could, my score wouldn't have to count on each hole. But uh, Just get your pom-poms out. Smart. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things with uh, with all the rumors and stuff and lies, really, in a lot of cases that you see on social media about different players going and this guy is signing. The amount of times I've heard you know, such and such a signing, I've been hearing that for a year now. And in some cases, it still hasn't happened. Uh, one of the things that um, is quite interesting to me is nobody respects my game enough to have said, well, maybe Trevor should play. <laughs> and, uh, they didn't even consider that's it. That's insulting no, that they're they, not even starting rumors about you. It doesn't even cross their minds. But you know what? They're right about that because that is the last thing we need. If I have to play, we're in serious trouble. Let let me ask you this. Let's just say hypothetical. They add an extra match in there each day and it's got to be the captain and you get to take a partner from your vice captains. Okay. You got Jeff Ogilvy, you got KJ, you got Mike Weir on their side. You got DL three. Who's he got? Zach Johnson, Webb uh, Simpson. Webb and Freddie Webb is a problem. Webb is a pr bit of a problem. Maybe we I throw Webb out, but you get to pick one of your guys and play Davis and one of his guys. Who, who do you want? Well, I'd like to pick Cam Smith. Like, no, you have to pick one of your vice you captains. You got to pick a vice oh, captain. This, this is a separate point only for captains. Captain play only. It's a tricky one. I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. Mike Weir has been playing a lot on the Champions Tour. So is KJ Choi. My fourth, then I've got Jeff Ogilvy. He doesn't play very much at all. He just played two PGA Tour events. Uh, didn't make the cut. Fourth assistant captain is Camillo. He's been out on tour you know, for the last uh, play in the whole season. So I might have to go with Camillo just because he's played more competitive golf out on the PGA Tour in the last year or so. Okay. So I'm Camilo. Who so do you I'm, want? Who, Dave versus Davis, and who who do you want on the other side? Can't, throw Webb gonna, out. I feel like it's going to have to be Freddie. Got to take Freddie, don't you? I mean, that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. Get, I'd watch. That Freddy might be the most and, exciting match. And Jeff in there and just have, just tempo town, just fall asleep to but those tempos. I shouldn't have interrupted you earlier because you said Cam Smith and mm. you said, but so do you know anything that we possibly don't know? Just reminder that this is going to come out in a couple weeks. No, I didn't say, but I, oh, said, I thought you said, but I said, I'd like to pick Cam Smith. And then you said, Oh, well, in my mind, you said, but, but the <laughs> he's always got is, butts on his mind. The answer is, uh, you know, I, I don't really have anything to share right now. Uh, yeah. You know, we got to take Cam at his word. A couple of days ago in his interview, he said he's going to be at the President's Cup. He said that he's been looking forward to this since, since Royal Melbourne in 2019. And we've put a lot of work in. He's right about that. We've put a ton of work in. And, uh, you know, he's been a great teammate so far. He's been at all of our 
all about team building stuff, all about dinners. And uh, he's extremely popular in, in our locker room, as you can imagine, because he's such a, uh, a fun guy to be around. Uh, very funny. Doesn't take himself seriously at all. As you can see with the mullet and the goatee. I mean, if you could even call it that, there's not much hair going on there on his face. But uh, he's, uh, he's a huge part of our team. So I take him at his word right now and look forward to him being yeah, I- I'm with you. I, I 100% hope he is there because he is a fantastic player. He's fun to watch. And like you said, he's a great personality. Um, but we do have to talk about the 2008 Masters. And I learned something recently. I didn't realize that you were injured and had you took like eight weeks off to start the season before yeah. the Masters. Yes. So when, like how many tournaments did you play before? I don't exactly know how many, but my, my um, start back on the PGA Tour that season was, was delayed. I won a tournament down in South Africa in December of 2007 called the Ned Bank Challenge. So mm-hmm. back then it was called a million dollar. And um, a couple of weeks later, I was struggling to breathe and went to the doctor and they took scans and MRIs and they found a tumor on my diaphragm. And uh, so I had to have that taken out. So we had to delay our flight back to the States, had the tumor taken out. Uh, thankfully everything was benign, but I still had this six inch incision on my back. And so I had to wait down there a little longer for all of that to heal. And then when I got back here, wasn't interested at all in playing on the West coast, would not have been ready for that. Still was a little concerned about making full swings, particularly out of the rough when you got to go after it, uh, with the scar that I had. And so started back a little later and started slow just was was very rusty uh mentally wasn't quite all there and uh, slowly but surely started to play a little bit better through the florida swing and uh then i decided to add houston the week before Mm. and missed the cut by a shot there but actually hit the ball quite well and putted awful so went to augusta low expectations still think I'm probably ranked maybe, you know, around 25 in the world at that point. And uh, practice was good. Loved the golf course, always have. And got off to a nice start on that Thursday. Made two birdies and uh, no bogeys on the front. I hold like a 30-footer up the hill for birdie at nine to go out in 34. And just kept going from there. So Yeah, you had, you had, you had the lead or the share of the lead after every single round. I can't imagine what that was like. What was it like sleeping Saturday night on the lead of the Masters? I actually slept quite well. I've never wow. really, really had a problem with that. On Saturday, we had a long delay. And so it was about two hours. So we finished right in the dark. And so once we had finished all the media and all that stuff, we left the course around 9 p.m., got back to the house, had some dinner and uh, chilled for a little while. And I slept till 8 a.m. I do remember that. And then then is, then it's the tough part because now you're awake and you, know, you can't stop your mind. And uh, you got to wait till the 3 o'clock tee off. You don't want to get to the mm. course too early and start hitting balls because then, you know, you could get put, start getting pulled in all sorts of directions. Uh, you don't want your, your warm-up to be too long in case there's, uh, you know, 
couple of squirrely shots come in there and you start getting concerned about it and then it becomes a practice session rather than a warm-up. And so you got to be disciplined with the time and make sure that you arrive at the course at the right moment, head out to the range at the right moment and just really try and treat it like every other day that you played professional golf. So even though it's those not. Are the, yeah, <laughs> it's slightly though different. It's not. So those are the kinds of things that uh, that go through your mind. I remember back in those days, we were still on the old practice area and uh, they would have a big stand behind it. And I always loved to go down to the left corner so that I could hit out into the middle of the range and try and feel a draw into the hedges on the left. My swing was always best when, when, when my swing felt like a draw. I didn't always draw and I would hit the ball quite straight, but in my mind, my swing would feel like a draw. So I'd always go down to the left corner. And uh, that was always Tiger's favorite spot as well. So him and I would always be like trying to fight for the spot right against the hedges there. <laughs> and I remember that day walking onto the range because he was a few groups, two groups in front. And so he had taken that spot already. And as I, so as I turned around uh, the stands and looked left down into the corner where I like to go, I saw the red shirt and the black pants. I was like, oh boy, here we go. So uh, mm-hmm. went through my balls right next to him, warmed up right next to him. Wasn't any conversation, but uh, got going from there. That's all. I've heard he does that to players. Like even if it wouldn't have been, even though he likes to go on the left side, I've heard if there's a guy maybe with a little inexperience at the top, he's not scared to go throw his balls right down there next to him. Absolutely. He, he learned <laughs> so much. That from players like Seve, uh, guys like that, Raymond Floyd, you know, how you can get a little edge, how you can uh, impose yourself on on your opponent. And he was great at it. He was great at it. So many different things uh, when you think back now to where he would be standing just where you could kind of feel where he was there when you got a putt or when you're hitting a shot. Uh, a lot of times as well, I found it quite funny playing playing with him. If he was looking to get something going, he would, let's say he's got a 20 or 30 footer <clears throat> and he had hit a putt. And you can tell standing right there if this putt's got a chance or not when it's halfway there. And you can tell that, you know, it's a nice looking putt, but this putt's not going to go in. But he would still like do the putter raise thing and start walking to the hole. And then the crowd is just like jumping in on this. And getting all pumped because they think that he that he thinks he's made it, and uh, so yeah, the way he would work the crowd as well. Guy was guy's a golfing genius. It's just plain and simple. Wow, that's that's just, I never thought about that. The, lifting the putter even when he knows it's got no chance. Just get the <laughs> crowd going. Be be honest with me as you go around that Sunday because not many people have been able to do this. When you see the leaderboards, is the first name you like? What's Tiger doing? Is that on your mind the entire day as much as you don't want it to be? No, I decided actually to to not pay attention to the scores at all that day. Uh, I knew I had the lead starting the day. It was a two-shot lead. I felt really good about the way I was playing and what my strategy was. And, you know, earlier on in my career, I, I had ruined some chances to win by paying too much attention to the leaderboard. A lot of times when I was ahead, I started playing too defensively and I screwed it up. And a lot of times when I was behind, I took unnecessary risks. And then at the end of the day, I'm, you know, on the flight home going, man, I only finished one or two behind and I made such a stupid mistake with my strategy on such and such a hole. So uh, I decided that 
I was just going to go out there and play my game and do my thing. But you can feel from the crowd how you're doing. And so I knew I was doing well through the front side. I can feel it from my caddy as well. Uh, him and I worked together for nine years, so we knew each other extremely well. And uh, I remember on the 11th tee, there was a bit of a backup because it was extremely windy. There were gusts up to 35 that day. Of course, it was impossible with that kind of wind. And uh, so there was a huge backup because guys were just hitting it in the water on 12. And uh, so we're on the tee. We're waiting on the group in front there in the fairway. And Tiger's group is on the green on 11, whole location back right. And he's at a solid second to front right. And he's made this putt from, it's got to be 60 or 70 feet. And the noise from the patrons that is just like run up that fairway at 11 and just smashed me in the face standing on that tee. <laughs> and, you know, you knew immediately that that was Tiger. And so you kind of get that feel that, okay, he's doing something. But quite quickly, I was able to just jump back in. A lot of that, I think, into the routine. Uh, I think a lot of that was also because the conditions were so bad and making pars was so difficult that you really, you couldn't afford to waste any energy on worrying about anybody else. You know, I smashed a drive down, down 11. I still had a five iron in and the wind is in and out of the left and I bailed out right and I made a cool up and down. And 12, you're just so worried about the ball ballooning with the short iron into and out of the left. I ended up nuking one through into the pine straw. So the course was so damn difficult. I didn't really have a chance to worry about anybody else. So when is the first time you asked for score? You had to ask your caddy at some point, I would think, at, during the, the back nine. Yeah. So, scoreboard check. So like I said, I, I can feel I'm doing really well. 15 is into the wind, no chance to reach. So a layup, hole location was back right. I've hit a pure wedge to about 10 feet behind the hole. And so as I'm going across the Sarazen Bridge, I get a standing ovation from the crowd. That, that doesn't happen unless you've won that tournament normally. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. You know, I'm, I must be doing real well. That scoreboard's right there. I would look up and see the names, but I wouldn't ever see the numbers. It was weird. I was weird like that when I was playing. When I looked into the crowd, it was the same. I couldn't couldn't tell people's faces really either. Um, so I finished 15. I two-putt there. I go to 16. And I actually hit it in the water. Mm -hmm. So now yeah. I'm like, what have you done? You've just, you've just choked this thing away. So I drop it on the end of the tee. 9-9 nine, nine on the green two-putt. I make double. I pick my ball out of the hole, like totally dejected. And I stand up and I start walking up to 17 and I get a standing ovation again. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And your playing partner's not playing very well. No, so it's not for him. It's not. It wasn't for him. Yeah. So my thought process was, okay, well, I got to still be ahead. So let's imagine that I'm one ahead. How on earth do I find a way to pass 17 and 18? So I pass 17 and the same thing goes through my mind as I'm walking over the back of 17. And by this point now, you know, it's quite a steep hill there off 17. And then you weave your way through the patrons. And I got people slapping me on the back saying, well done. And I can hear South African accents in the crowd. So now I'm like, okay, so you must still be ahead. 
easy make a double on 18 if you hit some type of quick curveball there and it catches those trees and drop it could drop straight down 150 yards from the tee so immediately my thought process was okay you've got to get this ball on the fairway that is like the only thing that matters once it's in the fairway you can make five from there you can get in a playoff at least have another shot at it and uh, I striped this bullet fade down the fairway, just absolutely perfect. So I hit my second shot on the green with an eight iron. And then I give the eight iron back to, to Neil and I'm like, okay, how are we doing? And he says, oh, it's over. You're three ahead. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. I kind of look at him and he's got this big smile on his face. And I said to him, so you mean I can three putt and win? And he said, no, you can four putt and win. It's good. It's all over. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over. That's awesome. That I cannot believe you didn't pay attention. That takes balls. Then I mean, this oh. just, I don't, I don't think I could do it. At some, I'm going to be like, where are we at? Where are we at? That is can, a, how many bogeys can I make? That is a true story right there. And so at that point, so now, but, you know, we're like 150 yards from the green. After him and I have had this little conversation because I'm kind of handing him the club and he's handing me the putter as we're walking. And uh, so now I know that, you know, there's no way to screw this up from here. It's not like I got a two putt from 20 feet or anything like that. So then that was the first time all week that I sort of came out of this bubble and I started looking around and, and paying attention to stuff and seeing my family behind the green and stuff like that. So it was, uh, I'm glad I had that moment now. Um, That's so cool. When I look back at it, that I was able to really enjoy that last, 150 yards or so because if i was tied or one ahead man i would have been in full-on grind mode and that, that whole part would have been a blur man that was a, that was that a cool story some, yeah i had no idea about that, that don't ask till your ball's on the green on the 72nd <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that's awesome well thanks yeah. for sharing that with us uh it's at least time to get to the e9 I let's think. let's do what we do all right e9 trevor you know all about it first question we asked everybody Trade lives with anyone, dead or alive. You get to be him for a day. Who's it going to be? Um, Mick Jagger. Oh. Ooh, you got moves, moves like, like that? Jagger. No, but if I've traded lives with him, I don't need to. He, yeah, I'm taking his yeah, you know, yeah, you're born with him. <laughs> That's why he trades <laughs> lives with him, to get the moves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, Mick, I like that. There's some good days, I got to think, an old mixed life there that you can choose from. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Confirm or deny. Confirm or deny here, Trevor. There's a clause in your contract with CBS that prevents you from bringing back the frosted tips because Jim Nance has to have the best hair in the booth. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, frosted tips is, is long gone, man. It's long gone. I don't have much left. You got natural this, frost. So, you you know? still got nice <laughs> You got natural frost now. Icy tips. So, man, what a time that was. You pulled it off, dude. You know, frosted tips it. with the visor, it was kind of like a look back back in those days. What's it worked. The, what's hey. the point of frosting if you're going to put them under a hat, you that's know? Exactly. But, yeah, I, you know, I need to – that's one of the things I'm going to have to speak to Jim about is, you know, what, what the hair situation is there. I, you know, I don't want to step on his toes at all. Very sensitive topic <laughs> there, Trevor. Tread lightly, at least early. God, you are going to be fighting over the makeup chair, the comb, oh, everything. It's going to be gonna a beautiful be booth. It I never put makeup booth. on – don't worry wow man jealous that's jim too he doesn't allow it <laughs> all right we we had your good buddy ernie ells on here several weeks ago and he's known for when he when he wants to go he can go yeah 
So let's say you and Ernie are starting drink for drink. How long can you make it? You know, I, I'm 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 pretty good, but he's he's next level. He's a champion. I can make it to about midnight. Okay, drink I, for drink with him. That's pretty impressive. I can make it to about midnight, but he he will he he'll can he can still be going the next morning when the sun comes up. Yep. So the difference, <laughs> the you know, the size yeah. of that spectrum is pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Make it to midnight's like making it to the third inning. I don't know. It's pretty good, but I haven't come across many that can go toe to toe with him. He's got some size on you too. I mean, that's pound for pound, it'd be a little closer. Yeah, he's Big he boy. must have a hollow leg or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is unbelievable. But man, we've had we've had some amazing times. He's he's a he's a great friend. He's been an awesome mentor for me since I was a little kid. We had a blast with him on he the podcast. Is, he was great. He is a fun one. Yeah. That is for sure. All right. I'll give you a little, since we just wrapped up on the Masters here, I'll give you a little Masters question. You get to pick your seating at the next Champions Dinner. Who's the one guy you want to sit next to the most? Oof. That's a good one. I'll tell you what. The two guys who tell the best stories right now are Fuzzy and Ian Woosnam. So they they uh, they good guys to sit next to because you'll just be laughing the whole night long. Uh, I've never sat next to Jack or next to Tiger. I've been kind of like normally everybody has their seat, so they say it's free seating, but everybody knows where their seat is. And so the the spot that um, that has become mine over the years is it's a it's a long rectangular table and there's a bunch of us that go down to the bottom corner so it starts with adam and then me and then nick faldo and then gary player and then charles swartzel and then mike weir and then straight across from me is vj so that's kind of our corner down there and then on this side of me um it's changed a little bit over the years. Craig Stadler has sat there, but Tiger always sits in the next seat over. Him and Jack are like halfway down the table on that side. Um, they just like to flex and say, here's 33 majors, guys. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. This is the, the grown-up side. But everybody has their spot. It's so, so funny. Nobody really moves around. Uh, and the most uncomfortable guy every year is the uh, – the guy that won it, I guess you would say two years before, because the year that he was defending champion, he was sitting at the head of the table between Ben Crenshaw and the chairman. So the year after that, when there's a new champion, he doesn't know where he's going to sit and where his spot is. So, he, <laughs> so he's like kind of walking around trying to find an open chair and everybody's got to their Seat's spot. Seat's taken. <laughs> so that's that, good that's quite interesting to see so it's it's always fun to see where guys end up and you know but it's an unbelievable right. evening man unbelievable i can't imagine we're gonna stay on that same topic so you've been to i believe 14 champions dinners now oh. i want to know your who get beside yourself who served the best in your opinion and the worst gosh the worst is tough i mean the worst they're all good i'm sure yeah, they're all they're all good. 
I don't really want to throw anybody under the bus, Colt. Okay, let's just go with the just Bears. Just throw them under and then back it up do it a couple more times. <laughs> but the best, right, Let's just say your favorite other than your, yours. Yeah, the best for sure was Hideki last this, this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Uh, it the was Wagyu good. and the sushi. Gosh, it was fantastic. It was so fantastic. Uh, all the drinks that he had with it, the whole feel for the evening, the speech that he gave in English, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Uh, my favorite meal before this year was when Adam Scott was defending champion. He did an amazing job. He did like a surf and turf out of Australia with some Penfolds Grange that would have set him back a little bit for the red wine. That was <laughs> He's good for it. That He's was okay. yeah. yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, but you know, I will say this: if you don't like what's on the menu, you do have the ability. You know, it's Augusta National. You can order whatever you want off the menu. So you do have the ability to uh, call an audible there. <laughs> so you're not going to go hungry at the Champions Day. I think they'll find it. What was your, what did you serve? So uh, what I decided to do is it had been, it had been 30 years since the South African had won. So I wanted to, to have a distinct South African flavor and, and bring some of our culture to it. So we ran a competition in a big newspaper down in South Africa. And, uh, we ended up going with a dish called babuti, which is kind of like a ground beef with um, some flavoring and some curry powder and stuff. And you serve it on rice. It's I'm not doing it justice, but it's really, really good. You should look it up. <laughs> you should look it up. Did, and um, did the guys like it? Yeah, it was great because it's it's got a little heat to it with the the, uh, the curry flavor, and it was a cold, windy night. So the guys loved it. Now, I do remember uh, after the dinner, Jack came up to me and he spends a ton of time in South Africa or has in the past designing courses, he's, uh, you know, going on holidays and safaris and stuff like that. And he came up to him and was like, man, you nailed it. It's just how I remember it when I've had it down in South Africa. So thanks so much. So that, that was cool. That was something that, uh, That's awesome. that I remember. Yep, those are to be a fly on the wall, and those would be pretty sweet. All right, here we go, Trevor. So some tournament sponsors give product to the winners, right? Like at the Genesis, for instance, the winner gets I know a where you're going. Too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, is the I mean, just, I mean, you, you won a little tournament called the Cialis Western Open. Did that immediately make you the most popular player on both tours? <laughs> PGA and champions. I got to think you were a smash hit. At the, I mean, the champions I was only 26 at the time. So, you know, a little before your time, <laughs> hey, save all these and send them to me in about all 10 right, years. Just, yeah. I'm going to defer my payment. I want my check now and I'll take my year supply of Seattle. I needed about 12 years. These little miracle workers just tuck them away for a minute. Yeah. And That's actually right. when I won that tournament, my wife was, was like three weeks away from giving birth to our first child. So, you know, I knew that I didn't have any problems. <laughs> Perfect. I like it. What a good one to win. I'll just forfeit. They'd forfeit the check. That should be a Champions Tour sponsor. I agree. Forfeit the check. They'd probably just take a lifetime of that. <laughs> All right. The next one. You have to pick one. You can either have Charles Barkley's golf swing or your good buddy Riggs from Barstool's putting stroke. Oh. Which one are you going to take? Man, that's God. They're both horrendous, you'll aren't they? You'll never get around. <laughs> that's so tough. I'm probably gonna go. I'm probably gonna go with Charles's swing. Actually, 
Oh my uh, God, Riggs is gonna kill himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. God, this is not good. I'm You're gonna break your right toe strength. if you take the putting stroke. Because uh, here's, here's my reasoning: is that you know Charles's swing was so bad when he had the the hitch and the yips and whatever that was, and he's done such an amazing job fixing that that everybody that sees him play now, like, is just like, oh, Charles, this is amazing. You've done such a great job, and everyone's kissing his butt, telling him how brilliant his swing looks because they're comparing it to back in the day when he couldn't make a downswing. But unfortunately for my man Riggs, he's just right in the middle of it. I mean, the guy can't do a post <laughs> without people just ripping him to shreds with the, with the stroke. It's so far inside. I swear to you, one of these days he's going to miss the ball on the downswing. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. And the fact well, right- all I heard was, all I heard was Riggs, your putting stroke shit. That's all I got out of that. <laughs> he is such a beauty. I love that guy. He is a beauty. You're going to need to watch that right toe. If that back streak mm-hmm. gets any faster, that toe, he pop that thing. Hey, producer quick. Mark, I know what teaser number one's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was good. Was great. But you, were, you know, I was right. in a lose lose situation there with you guys. I mean, you are. Yeah. You've thrown, you've thrown two of my buddies at me. There was just no way for me. That's what we do. And everyone's done it to Charles, so it's better just yeah. to take the other side anyways. I know. That's why I was actually like mildly nervous about doing this with you guys because I knew you were going to cook up something that was just going to put me in a tough No. <laughs> Nothing bad. No, no. It's fine. We're professionals. He can handle it. He's got thick skin. He's got 100,000 people telling him how shitty his stroke. It was one more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Love it. He'll get over it. All right, Trev. I don't want to do this, but I got a little secret weapon for your President's Cup team here, okay? So, as you know, your good friend, Rory Sabatini, South African, is now Slovakian, and it happened quick, all right? It did. So, I'm thinking, as this thing gets close, depending on what happens, you go to another Rory, hey, McElroy, do you want to be South African for a couple weeks or so? You want to be Slovakian. Yeah, I changed it from Slovakia because I think I don't know who Slovakia would play for. I was going to say Slovakia, but I was like, that might be in Europe. They can't. I don't believe they can play the President's Cup. I told you. That's that. why I audible to South Africa. I wrong. knew they could play. Yeah. I don't really know where Slovakia is. I'm going to be in dead on. Nobody so if you does. Can point it, yeah, exactly. I don't think Rory Sabatini does either. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> who, who wouldn't want McElroy on their team? Guy's an absolute stud. Guy's an absolute I know you got some pull in the government down there. Like, guys, just a little one-time favor. Just for a week. I know. Well, I may he has to, a good accent. I may need to. Hey, Colt, do you have dual citizenship anywhere that could be handy for me? I could definitely make it happen. I'm pretty big over in Dubai and uh, <laughs> although, Cabo and Cabo. Although actually, Cabo, you you the apparently you're the assistant captain for the U.S. Ryder Cup team, so you're not available anymore. Or what's the deal there? That's treason. That's, that's Ryder Cup, that's basically <laughs> treason. Michael Jordan was an assistant captain for the Presidents Cup. That's what they they treat all the greats this way. <laughs> Give you honorary assistant captains. Yeah, there you go. But I, I would help you out if you need me. I, I'll bring my clubs to Charlotte just in case. Do the, yeah. that. Yeah. Are you going to be there? Yep, I'll be there all week. Good, good. I'll be the drunken idiot in the crowd, along with the rest you of them. You have to be more specific than that, buddy. <laughs> he just said he can't see faces in the crowd. <laughs> all right, last one. Last one. Did you make more money being Ernie L's assistant captain at the President's Cup or when you were his personal Uber driver when you were 15? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I made I made more money being an assistant captain at the president's cup. (laughs) And you don't get paid for that role. I believe. (laughs) uh, No, Ernie, man. Yeah. We had some good times. We had some good times. And, uh, you know, every now and then, 
a good friend's got to be the DD. It's just the way it is. You got to be able to look after I, your buddies. So I, I got to find I some of those friends because I was, I was, uh, I was re ready to go. <laughs> Especially great. when your friend's six, four truck. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got you, bud. Whatever you need. Uh, well, Trevor, we really appreciate you coming out with us. Best of luck at the president's cup in a few weeks and congratulations on the CBS role. Yes. You better be nice to me. Get his ass, Trevor. Always nice to you, Colt. Thanks. I appreciate it. You guys are doing a great job. It's awesome to hang out for a little bit. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, Cap. Thanks, guys. Well, that was Trevor Immelman joining us on Golf Subpar. What a guy, man. Going through so much right now with the President's Cup and all that. But I love the question, would you rather have Sir Charles Barkley's golf swing or our guy Riggs? putting stroke and regs you poor bastard that's oh a tough... my god he chose charles golf swing over your putting stroke i mean the swing that's been just bashed more than any swing in the history of golf that, mm. i could deal with that just don't give me that little hooky stroke tough scene that. Riggs. sorry about it bud uh also cialis western when did it stop being come cialis i don't know i don't care she that was come a back, hell and he's to come back that thing will have the best field in golf live and the bj tour might actually come together for one week and be like guys it's Cialis. let's <laughs> let's work together for this one week we're talking about a lifestyle Lifetime supply of dick pills here. You know what I mean? If we can't come together for this, what can we come together for? Um, and also, cool. dude, not looking at the leaderboard. Unbelievable. At Augusta. In the, I mean, I get that there's guys that aren't scoreboard watchers. I don't really want to know. But there comes a time where it's like, all right, maybe I'm debating going for it on a par five or something like that. You kind of need to know, I feel like. And he didn't look at it for the whole. He was just going off what the crowd was doing. I, I just well, I find I that hard to believe. Dude. Every hole. Yeah, why not? Because uh, you're winning by a lot, but Trevor. You, how many is a lot? Is that two? Because two, I can still blow. Is that six? Six, I'm feeling pretty good. Like you don't, I just, I, I can't imagine at the Masters. At some point, I feel like on the back nine, all right, we're making the turn, going to 10. Like, all right, I need, I'd like to know. Give me a little, give me a little count check yeah. right here. Where are we at? How bad can I mess up coming home? That's what I need, always need to know. Very jealous of him getting to sit in on Hideki's champion dinner. That sounded delicious. Everybody says that's the best. Like, all the recent guys we've asked say that was the best one. It makes sense coming over. Thanks to Trevor. Best of luck in the President's Cup. We'll see you out there. But it is now time to get amongst it with our guys over at FanDuel. And the PGA playoffs are coming down to the wire, and you can get in on the action on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, make sure you, you sign up. Use promo code SUBPAR. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Use promo code SUBPAR. All right, our favorite bets of the week hit last week. Touch me. Adam Scott, top 20. Cruz, little T5, no big deal. You had Aaron Wise, top 20. Made it a little stressful on you. The double bogey bogey with four remaining. I was like, don't do not do this. Inside the top, I mean, it's layupsville. And then dub, bogue. I was like, here we go. Ended up ended up cashing, though. That's all that matters. That's all Shout that, out hey, to us. Doesn't matter. Shout out to us for, for going a clean sweep. We got a tight battle. We're both in the positive We're for both the year. rich. And here we are. It's the playoff finale, the tour championship at Eastlake. It all comes down to this. We got the staggered scoring starting out. Scotty Scheffler has a two-shot lead. He's going to start at 10 under. Patrick Cantlay at 8 under. They work their way down. It's obviously easy to take Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, with a two-shot lead, but the odds just aren't that great. I look, I'm look, i looking down the board a little bit for my favorite. He's starting at six under. He's four shots back. He's got a ridiculous record mm -hmm. at Eastlake. Plus 800, eight to one. I'm going Xander Shoffley to win the FedEx Cup. Good bet to be the gross champion. Not in the net. Flag. So that's another thing I wrote down as one of my favorite bets is low 72 holes. Yeah, Score gross. just scores. Gross scores outright. Gross sufficient. 12 to 1, Xander Shoffley. Yeah, that's good. I mean, nobody's better around that place than he is. I tell you, I'm already, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm looking at my favorite bet of the week, KH Lee, top 30. 
was that plus 400 i think we got to be plus law yeah that's gonna be a good one all right you got xander coming. we're gonna get yelled at on instagram and twitter about like you can't, I, can't I don't that. have that bad where's the KH Lee top 30. Yeah. oh it's in there you just got to dig a little bit um all right i'm not going too far down the board either i just realistically looking at this things like where do you draw the line you know the guys that are down a bit they not only do they have to play great but they need some help so i'm not going too far down for my favorite i'm gonna ride the hot hand patrick cantley going off at plus 430 starting off at minus eight just won the BMW. Things are obviously clicking, looking to go back to back. He just is one of those guys when he gets in these zones and, and nothing seems to phase him, he'll just rattle off good week after good week after good week. And I think he's in that right now. He's in a good spot. And I just, I, I'm going to go with a hot hand plus 430 going in, only starting two back. And I mean, it's hard to pick a dark horse in this. But, yeah. I mean, you're giving the number one player in the world strokes. It's just. Take KH down there. Spot MJ some points. Spot not only the number one player in the world ten, but everybody in the else or everybody else in the field a ton too. So it's kind of hard to go too far down here for a dark horse. Just even the number, it just doesn't get me too excited. But he's at four under, six back. He's the number two ranked player in the world, and he's getting twenty two to one odds. I got Cam Smith. Yeah, get hot. Didn't play last week. Don't know if that hip flare-up situation is. You think it's from carrying around his wallet? Sometimes that hip, you know, mine right now is a little bit tight too. But I'm with you. It's hard to go too far down, and I don't even think like the number like it's just hard to justify. But I got I need a guy that can get hot, can rattle off a ton of birdies. It's going to take somebody doing something special if you're looking down the board. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas plus 2600. I mean, he's starting at minus three. That's a long way. Terrible the last that's three a long rounds. Way. I know, but it's just like who you got to have a guy that's got to he's got to have something low in the tank. You're going to have to have like a low 60s round out there. I don't know that there's tons of guys that can do it, but JT gets going. He can pile them up in bunches. And if you're looking for a quote unquote dark horse. Uh, you don't want to stay near the top. I'm going to just, I think JT represents about as good as a chance as anybody. I will that. say going off the top of my head from our guy, Justin Ray, I believe since 2015, it's Webb Simpson and JT who have the most rounds at 66 or better. He's, he plays this place well. And it, like I said, if you start seven back of Scotty and a bunch back of everybody else, you're just going to have to have at least one special one in there. He can do it. All right. Well, FanDuel is an official betting operator of the PGA Tour, so they have all your favorite bets to choose from. Get in on the action with tournament winners, top 20 finishes, match betting, and so much more. Even top 30 this week. Can't lose. Plus, you can now combine the PGA Tour bets for an even bigger payday. If you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Just join with promo code SUBPAR and turn a $5 bet into $150 in free bets, win or lose, exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Use promo code SUBPAR once again. Must be 21-year-older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-877-7700-STOP-LA, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369 in New York, or Tennessee Redline, that's 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. I feel like we've got some new states. There's a lot. When you rattle through Red the line. entire continental U.S., it's going to be long. It's going to be long. say everyone's involved, but these? Yeah, great. that L.A. is Louisiana, but we don't have any people calling that Louisiana. Louisiana guys like to send it. Cajuns get amongst it. Yeah, I ain't afraid. All right, well, that's going to do it for us next week. We got the other captain in the house. We got we're joined by the US captain of the President's Cup team, Davis Love the Third on Golf Subpar. Everyone have a great week.